Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave Honky. Mac and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Hey, tonight is lucky show number 13 for the Redcast, so we are officially a teenager. We want to thank all of our fans out there who have watched us grow from a small little podcast back in April to the big boy show we are today. <laughs> nice. We're in the big boy pants. And I'm with Mac. Hey, Redcasters, if you're anything like me, you're knee-deep into your game prep week work. I've already got all my chili ingredients, all the bush light I can handle, in several cans of tomato juice. Go Big Red. All about the red beer, filling at home. And Boomer. I'd like to remind Husker Athletics in their ongoing tiff with uh, Fox Sports and their Children of the Corn promos that all of our issues could easily be solved by reverting to the Bug Eaters nickname, and that would take all the branding issues totally away. That's true. Yeah, no more children of the corn issue with the bug eaters. That solves everything. All right, awesome, guys. Well, uh, I was happy to watch some football last week, including a Stanford Cardinal beatdown of Rice, 62-7. to That uh, changed the ESPN uh, football power index. Uh, if you recall, the FPI slated Nebraska for about a five- or six-win season uh, f- to uh, have the Cardinal win the Pac-12 over USC and Washington just after that one game. So there's hope for the Huskers after all. I think that game was actually in Australia, of all places. You know, it's one of those neutral site games that is uh, littering the early part of the football uh, season schedule. Well, that's, that's what Nebraska needs to do. We just need to play in Australia, I guess, and, and we can turn around our 6-6 ah. six and six, uh, FPI rating or 5-7 and seven or whatever we are with them. Hey, you get out you know, we had early a... in week zero, and that helps. <laughs> We had a Twitter poll last week, actually, about neutral sites, and it was oh, yeah. regarding the, the Wisconsin-Notre Dame game that was announced at the Home and Away Series we talked about last week, and, and we were asking Redcasters, are they in favor of those types of games, yes or no? And 57% said yes, 43% said no. We had 201 votes for that. And uh, we asked them to discuss, and the Redcasters, they did discuss. Uh, we had quite a few people uh, kind of chime in. Alan Quartermain told us, uh, I think the national coverage of neutral, neutral site games is bigger. It draws more attention and increases ratings. Jeff Swoboda said, I don't understand the economics of not using the home stadiums. Husker Hype said, I'm greedy and I like to see my Huskers at home in Memorial. The fans wait all year for a few Saturdays in Lincoln. Why take one away? And John Bottomore said, great rivalry should be with home fans. Suggests neutral sites are fit only for conference championships. Fair enough, fair enough. I like that first Twitter handle, Alan Quartermain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, last time Nebraska did a neutral site uh, regular season game was when, Honk? A regular season neutral site game? Yeah. Gosh, I don't. Was it I mean, State? I guess it would have to be like a kickoff classic kind of thing. Would that be 94 yeah, that's what West I was Virginia? Thinking, kickoff classic. I'm not having anything. Did we else. not play Okie State in, in Arrowhead at some point? That wasn't really neutral site. That was actually their home game that they just chose to play at Arrowhead because they 
could sell more seats and have more Husker fans at it. Joe Walker had a big punt return or kickoff return in that game, if I recall right. Um, All right, so it's not neutral site, I guess, but yeah. it is neutral site because it was. Okay, well, we I'll called give it you something that. different back then, Dave. <laughs> right, and right, it, right. That was okay. And State if you just look doing at a money grab, I like, yeah. unlike these, I understand. If you look at Nebraska's upcoming, <laughs> well, we schedules, got a bunch of we, those. If you look at our upcoming schedules, we have a bunch of home and away scheduled already. Uh, except for in 2020, there's a perfect opening, the first game of the year, that could end up being a, a neutral site contest for Nebraska. And so if it's something that's as rare as that, I don't have a huge issue with it. I don't want it to become a, an Alabama kind of thing where every year we're doing one. Sure, sure. I hear you. Well, anyway, a um, bunch of neutral site games coming up here in week one of the season. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, uh, you know, there's real football that played last week. Um uh, CSU there, Colorado State, right there in Max hometown of uh, Fort Collins, kicked off the season versus Oregon State, the Beavs, and uh, took care of business for the Pac-12 team. Uh, a lot of stuff happening in Lincoln as well. Uh, just today we had depth chart re- uh, released, black shirts announced, the captains came out, first press conference. So we are really revving up uh, for week one. Um, I'm going to start with Mac. What's what's you on your on your mind with all, all the, the news today? Well, I was I was kind of you know excited to see the depth chart release. Uh, the black shirts were given out today. You know, no drama, nothing like that. I, I like that this coaching staff seems to try not to add any kind of of their own flavor to this. They're like understand their tradition and they just kick out the black shirts as soon as they have them. I understand they gave out a few more than that is maybe strictly traditional, but that the way defense is played now, you know, a hard eleven starters. It's kind of a that's kind of a thing of the past, you know. It's, it's to clarify, it, make, Mac, it makes what, sense. What's what that? Was the total? What was the total number handed out? Sixteen. I Sixteen. Think, yeah. It? Yeah. But um, you know, getting getting back to the depth chart, um, I don't know that I was particularly surprised on much of it. I think a lot of it was kind of what we heard was uh, going to come out of camps. The running back position still sort of you know, tied up with a bunch of oars in terms of the depth chart. Although it's, it was nice to hear that Jalen Bradley for sure isn't going to be redshirting. I mean, Mike Riley said that today in his press conference. So that's a good sign for him. It's a good sign that, you know, it's it's rare that a good freshman running back actually does redshirt. So um, it's not exactly uh, news, but it's nice to hear. So, and, you know, Tyjon Lindsay, you know, exciting. That's not going to surprise anybody either. I don't know. Matt or Honky, did you hear? Uh, did you hear anybody on the this is our freshman coming on that surprised you that are on the depth chart? Well, I think just in general, his name started coming up the last week or two. But that Brendan Hymas at left tackle just being on the depth chart. I think we had mm. seven total freshmen that were on the depth chart. Uh, one of them being Jebio. So let's just call it six. Let's assume that he's not really right. on the depth chart. Let's hope he's not going to be on it because that would mean that we'd have to have an injury for him to be playing. Um, the one guy that I was a little surprised wasn't on it was Gus uh, Guy Thomas, just because I just thought he'd probably be you know oh, the, yeah. the third, uh, probably the third uh, was that the cat or the dog <laughs> linebacker the uh, the outside guy there uh, basically the He's one the out, cat, outside think, of Alex and yeah. Cedric yeah. Dog is the open Cedric, side right that's Dog is the open side guy uh, so like this you know the the wide side and then the the cat is mm-hmm. the the, the short side guy and I believe that's what um, Alex Davis and Cedric King are the boundary mm-hmm. side yeah. essentially um, but anyways uh, 
yeah, I mean, it was pretty much the guys that we, we had looked at that uh, had been talked about in the last couple of weeks. We did a poll a couple of weeks ago about how many freshmen were going to be playing, and 90% of the people thought it was going to be five or less. And I've kind of maintained, I thought it was going to be at least six or more. And just from what we saw there, like I said, seven on the, the list. That didn't include Thomas, so that's really eight. Subtract Jebbia back to seven. But I think that we'll probably have at least about seven guys probably playing at some point this year. You know, Thomas is the backup to Stoltenberg, though. Was that kind of a surprise at all? I was a little surprised how he actually got some good press, but yeah, just size-wise, he he didn't. I, I didn't think him coming in was going to be big enough to be just a nose tackle. I'm expecting you know Vincent Valentine kind of size guys that you need in there, which is kind of what Daniels is. But Thomas, you know, he they said that he was really good in the pass rush side of things, so I, he seems like a, he's kind of a nice change of pace from Stoltenberg out there. And I agree with you, yeah, Mac. Big bonus. Saying, yeah. I agree with you, Mac, on the, on the drama piece. I think that from what they've kind of had happen the last couple of years um, where you can say there was too much drama, the captains, you know, they've had Alex Lewis and they had uh, Nate Jerry. And, and I think, you know, they really went out and got five captains that are just, you know, really good guys that aren't going to cause a lot of drama. We, you know, um, this and they've brought it up that this has been a drama-free camp that really i think that probably is let's the, talk about those captains for yeah i'm glad you said something about that mm-hmm. because I, I he specifically riley that is specifically mentioned that a few times that in terms of you know things going smoothly there was just a few occasions of guys missing you know being late for a meeting or oversleeping for a breakfast or a lift but just that very minimal thing and just a few instances of that now I don't necessarily know what the norm is for college football teams, but that sounds really good to me. That sounds like something that we maybe were having problems with in the past when you hear about, you know, what the underclassmen were saying about the outgoing seniors, that it seems like this team is really focused on business. You know, they're just there to work. Mm -hmm. I hope that translates into something, you know, really positive on the field. You feel like it does, but I think that's a major point that he brought up a couple times, like, drama free and he's right i mean aside from you know stanley morgan and reed getting busted down in florida i mean i'm I'm trying to think you know of any other behavioral things that i'd even heard of well and think about that mac when those things did happen even even the the reed and and uh, morgan thing back in what was that may or june those things kill momentum i mean and thankfully they happened when they did in that case but like if you go back a year ago, and some things you can control and some you can't. Sam Fultz thing, obviously you couldn't control. The the Coach Williams thing a year ago, that was something that could have been controlled. But those things killed momentum, and you felt it throughout fall camp. It just kind of it, it it kind of lingers over. There's nothing lingering over this program right now. Like right now, it's just go about your business and and let's go play Arkansas State. Let's get this thing done this week. Yeah, no. they've had had two full weeks to, to get ready for the Red Wolves, so that's that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, quite, a, quite a bit of Nebraska flavor to that captain list too, right, Honk? I mean, we have a couple walk-ons there and Gerald uh, Foster. I mean, that's that's interesting too, huh? Lincoln, Elkhorn, and, and Carney are, are well represented. You have uh, Luke McNitt, the fullback. So right there, that's that's kind of, you know, double brownie points there. You got a Lincoln kid and he happens to be a – or I'm sorry, you have a Nebraska kid and he just happens to be a fullback at it. And then you've got Chris yeah. Weber, the Elkhorn kid, also a, a former walk-on, and then uh, Gerald Foster, the in-town in kid, the Lincoln 
Lincoln boy. And so we've got, you know, here we are. We've we, we've got five captains. They all seem to be really good uh, kids. I mean, they, these are guys that, that they haven't gotten any kind of trouble. They're good faces of the program, and, and I think they're going to be good leaders. I'm, I'm excited to, to, to get going. And I'm glad that we're doing season captains, too, and not trying to do some – you know, in different years, we've done things where we've done yeah, captains for the thing, week sure. and stuff like that. No, this is this is the right route to go. Plus, they were all really high Wyoming targets oh, at the beginning yeah. part of their career. So it's always nice if you can keep those guys around. Every one of them could have been highly successful in Laramie. I can tell you that. That's right. Well, we got a uh, packed show here t- today. Obviously, uh, end of the show, maybe we'll start doing a few of our uh, weekly uh game predictions and honky can take uh wyoming if he wants uh but before we get to there we'll, we'll do some uh some scoring explosion and throwing the bones talking to offense defense uh doing a woman breakdown in arkansas state a uh, whole nine yards here this this week scoring explosion the offensive breakdown and now on the go big redcast are going into the scoring explosion. This is our offensive breakdown. We'll do this once a week where we're diving deep into our game plan, trying to do a little X's and O's, just kind of breaking down what we think we might see out there on Saturday. Uh, Honky, uh, you've uh, been thinking about this a little bit. What do you expect to see out there on Saturday? Well, I'm going to actually use Riley's quotes uh, uh, for any of the fans out there that were watching Sunday night that day-by-day uh, show that is on each week. Uh, Riley was interviewed and was asked about kind of the offense. And a, a couple of the quotes he met, he said I, I thought really stuck out. One of them was he talked about uh, 94% of Big Ten teams win. And I don't know if he was just talking about the last year or the last five years. I'm not sure what the, the time period was. But he said 94% of Big Ten teams win when they run the ball more than the opponent and when they have less turnovers. And then on top of that, he talked about the multiple personnel groups, and that's something that we, as a, as a Redcast, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. The the fact that we're recruiting, you know, six, seven, eight tight ends. The fact that we're recruiting fullbacks. Um, that that sets us apart just from a personnel grouping. And he said our change of pace isn't about tempo; it's about getting into different personnel groups. So we can get into a big set. We can get into a slot. We can get in, and and they have all these different positions. And that's why they they almost look at their offense like they have 14 or 15 different starters. They look at J.D. Spillman as sure. a starter because he's the starting slot back, even if we just line up in a regular I formation, two wide receiver set, and, and he's not on the field. He's still a starter because he's starting at, a, at that position. Depth chart had uh, two tight end positions starting. Did you see that? Yeah, I mean, again, yeah, I yeah, think that actually, they're just yeah. – they're listing, you know, yeah. as many – yeah, two tight ends. I mean, two, three. Yeah, that's that's really, really interesting. I, I so and they have thirteen so starting talk me positions. Through that a little bit for. Yeah, yeah. Talk me through that just a little bit then. So, I mean, from a strategy standpoint, you're really making your opponent um, really have to prepare for a lot of different sets and a lot of different packages, um, and shuffling their defense in and out to match who you have out there in the field. So, is that something you're expecting kind of to see there on Saturday night? And I guess. Are they going to hold some of this back a little bit? Uh, keep it vanilla if, if things go well. If they're uh, you know playing Oregon next week, I wouldn't keep personnel groups vanilla at all. I would show them every personnel group. I would show them mm-hmm. every formation you can conceivably show them, and what you run out of that you sure. can keep very vanilla. But that's where 
that's where I would get tricky. I would show a lot of sets. I would force a defense to have to to line up and be prepared to line up and see a lot of different things. And so when you are prepared to, to play again, we will inevitably line up in a four-receiver set at some point, and we'll inevitably line up in a two- or three-tight end set at one point. And when you're a defense having to prepare for both and a fullback on the field and, and, and all that, that's just a lot to take on. Plus, we're going to play against some teams that are not going to prepare against that very often. Um, and so – when, when that's the case, too, when you're kind of the one team that's coming out and showing some sets that maybe they aren't used to seeing, that gives you, I think, a bit of an advantage, too. Mac, do you agree or disagree on, on that uh, honky breakdown of the offense? What are you expecting to see out there? Um, you know, for the first week, it's always kind of difficult, uh, you know, what you expect to see, what you hope to see, and what you might see. I don't think they're going to show much. I think they'll probably... Uh, I think w- what this coaching staff is going to look for is execution and, and efficiency. It, it won't be fancy. It'll be, you know, lining up cleanly, you know, no procedural issues, you know, short passes, some screen game, some running back passes. And then I really think if things are going well, a heavy dose of run game, just to kind of get that hammered out because the backs of all of the people in camp have had the least amount of, like, true evaluation because they haven't been able to take contact this will be the first time they can take contact so you'll start to see maybe a little separation between those guys based on who's better coming in and out of tackles you know the you know the passing game will look pretty similar to what it did in in practice you know you complete the ball you kind of have an idea how much he'd run for afterwards but the backs really have had a hard time or the running game in general i think has had a hard time being completely evaluated so assuming the passing games go pretty well I'd see a lot of that. I don't think you're going to see a lot of end of rounds or a fly sweep game unless it's maybe to specifically get like some of those freshmen going. But yeah, uh, and that would be another fun thing too. I would love to see, you know, we talk about this for years, but I'd love to see us play well enough to get some depth, you know, get some backups on there and let them play. That might be a little optimistic, but who knows, you know? Um, Patrick O'Brien getting some time on the field this this early would be great for this team. So. And, you know, if Jalen Bradley's not going to redshirt, he's got to oh. play. And, and those guys are, you know, when they talk about that, when they say they don't redshirt a player, then that means he's going to be in the game plan. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be unusual to see him. I will game. say this. I think that it scares me to think that that our backs haven't had a chance to, to get tackled and get hit, and, and we have to wait and, and get that kind of evaluation after a game. I mean, they've had an entire camp to do that. So if we haven't been if, – if there hasn't been enough – tackling enough bringing down to the ground enough breaking tackles that concerns me on multiple fronts defensively and offensively because that would tell me that we we didn't effectively use uh camp as well as we should have um i so and we have plenty of depth at running according back. according to you well according to i'll tell you what i, I watched stanford, just according to you that's just I a watch, philosophy difference I watched for you stanford play the other night and that was a team that they could have run the ball 90 times if they wanted to, and they would have got 15 yards of carry against Rice, that, just the way they were running it. So my point is that is that is something that they emphasize in practice. So I'm saying, I'm saying that I hope this isn't the first time to evaluate our running backs getting taken down to the ground or, or them being able to break tackles. or Because you know, if it is, if that's the case, we're going to sure. be in a, a boatload of trouble because they're not going to be used to breaking tackles. And our, that would also mean our linebackers and on the defensive side, they're probably not going to be 
real adept at making tackles. So, again. Right, I, but with the exception of Jalen Bradley, they all played college football last year. So it's not like they've never been tackled. I mean, they've all played, except for and Jaylen, they couldn't so get. Be- and we can assume yeah, and you can't yeah. get better at what you're doing. So they're they're the best at, at what they're doing in terms of running and tackling. You can get better at being tackled, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I I guess I. <laughs> well, it's I don't think you're getting I, I, I guess better at I, not I just, getting tackled. I'm right? agreeing to. I'll agree to disagree here with a little bit with you there. I don't think that this is the first well, evaluation. We'll, we'll for see them out to break there, guys. That, I, I mean, I'll just. I'm yeah, not I trying mean, to get into that. I don't think last year. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, you think last year we were unprepared to play Fresno State uh, from a physicality standpoint? I, I don't think that, that was the case. I don't know why it would suddenly be this year. Yeah, yeah, I think we had a week. I think we had a weak fall camp last year. I do, and I and I think it's one of the reasons why. To be honest with you, I'm I'm more scarlet colored glasses this time around than I was a year ago. Is that I think that we are more physically prepared. I, I give credit to Diaco on that. I give credit to guys like like Perella. I think you didn't you, you saw and tell me if you guys didn't hear a difference from oh, the DTN sure. guys a year ago. It was Donardo talking about you know that we had a Pac-12 type practice this year. They're talking about how efficient we were. They talked about how fast paced it looked. I know they didn't come out and say they were just you know hitting you know nonstop you know headbutting each other. I'm not saying it's like that, but I'm saying I think that I think there is a different pace. I think there is there is a more physical brand of football that that we are going to play this year. And and my whole point from the beginning of it is that is just that, you know, we're not going to have, we're not going to be getting the first evaluation of these guys taking hits against Arkansas State. If we are, that's just, that's yeah, just. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else on the O side? Anything else to break down offensively? Boomer, what's the uh, what's the spread on this game? Uh, what are we expecting? Uh, well, the current numbers uh, from our good friends in the uh, Las Vegas, uh, we've got uh-huh. the over/under is forty-seven with Nebraska a seventeen-point favorite. That's a relatively low-scoring game, it seems like to me. So that's that's interesting. I guess we'll 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 see how that how that breaks out. Throw the bones. The defensive breakdown. All right. Well, let's uh, shift gears and let's go ahead and uh, throw the bones. Let's. Head over to the defensive side of the ball, and uh, Honky, you were breaking down, you know, some of the practices there a little bit there, um, talking about the physicality and whatnot, uh, and with the the press conference today, some of the um, the quotes coming off from the offensive side of the ball. Uh, DPE, I think, was saying this, et cetera, was how much uh, you know challenge it was to go against Diaco's three four in practice. Um, not that we're going to see 3-4 all over the place. I don't think Arkansas State plays 3-4. I could be wrong. Um, but how, how do you see the shift of the 3-4 playing out in week one? And and you, has it made you know the program in general, uh, to your point, more physical, I guess, uh, this preseason? Well, I'm, I'm curious how much 3-4 you know, we're going to see this weekend. Diaco has already made it clear that they're going to go about 50-50 between the 3-4 and the 4-3 just in general. Um, you know, right. there's there's a certain part of me that, that kind of like what he did in the spring game. I almost wonder, are we just going to see exclusively 4-3 and just think that we're going to just beat, you know, Arkansas State just running, you know, a base defense like that and, and still not show a 3-4? I mean, would he would he dare go that, that route and, and so that it, it gives sure. nothing for Oregon Does, to go off of? I have no idea. Explain to me, like, so in, if we are in a, a true 4-3, what, what's our front four then in that situation? If, 
if we're in a true four three. Yeah, I mean, you're saying we're going to see 50-50, mm-hmm. and there's a difference between a, a, a 3-4 where we're just simply bringing up the, that linebacker and it looks like a four-man front, Correct. or are we actually having, instead of a nose tackle, two D-tackles and two D-ends? Yeah, it's, it's going to figure out. Well, it will look like what we saw in the spring game. It's it's that cat linebacker, which is the Cedric King, Alex Davis, Guy Thomas guy. Would That player would come up, become an actual hand-on-the-ground D-end. Um the nose tackle and one of the D that one of the DNs, the DN that is Carlos Davis, basically, or Khalil Davis backing him up, they would become kind of right, the two D in. tackles and then Freedom, uh, or Ben Stilly or so, you know, Deshaun Neal, that would become the sure. other DN. So let's talk about the uh, the gap assignments then. Does that change their their um, assignments uh, on that D line then? That you know, I, fundamentally compared to the three four? I, see what I think I don't know for sure if they would still be a two-gap assignment in the 4-3. That is, that's what I, I'm not positive about. They, they are definitely a two-gap in, in, in the 3-4. So what that means there is if you think of tackle to tackle on the offensive line, you basically have six gaps outside the tackles, between the tackle and guards, and between the guards and centers. That's six gaps, and you have three guys on the D-line to cover them all. So the nose tackle takes both guard gaps. The uh, D-ends are taking the, the gaps on the – on the uh, between the tackle and the guard and outside the tackle, that's how that works. When you get into the four three side of it, I'm not sure if they they continue to maintain that two gap responsibility. It's really hard to do two gap. Um, it's hard to do two gap at a four in a four three. That was something that Pelini was doing, uh, and when we got away from that, we were really happy to get away from that. It, it made our D linemen look like yeah, we were standing absolutely. up and, and it looked like we weren't real aggressive because there was a lot of reading and reacting. I remember Charlie McBride talking about that after Planey was fired and saying, yeah, we just didn't do it because it was really hard to do. So I'm curious to see. I asked Perella that question at the coach's clinic, and he did not want to answer it. I, I just asked him, you know, how, what are you guys doing <laughs> to coach up, you know, how they do this, this, the, the two gap in the 3-4. And, and I'm curious to see how, it, how he does it. I don't, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Uh, should we be watching a lot of, like, Wisconsin film on that, right? They've been running the 3-4 for a while. Um, I mean, is there something to be learned from uh, watching uh, a, a few teams that have been doing the three four like Alabama as well? I guess. I think I you'd know. have to go back to his Notre Dame mm-hmm. tape, honestly, because no, he yep. he has kind of a, from my understanding of it, he plays a, a different variant of it than what Wisconsin strictly plays, and I'm not even going to pretend to understand the nuances of it, but. Um, but I think, yeah, if you could go back to the Notre Dame tape, you'd get a pretty good idea how he lines them up. And it also be curious if they – I don't know if, if they switched – is it his history to kind of fluctuate – or not fluctuate, but uh, switch between a 4-3 and a 3-4? Is that something he normally does, or is that something he's going to do for the time being here because of the personnel? You know what I mean? Would he rather be base 3-4 and just kick that 4-3 all the way to the curb? Or is he just doing that because of how this personnel lines up currently it's my That's a great question yeah it's Mac. My, my understanding is this is how he's done it you know and he, and he came in here right away okay. and he said this is you know f- from from day one he he said that, that that they would do both and on top of that he talked about how and you know diaco uses his own language with things but he said that this was this is the nebraska defense this isn't his defense this is the nebraska one and 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 it's going to be a little different than what they did at UConn. It'll be a little different in Notre Dame and, you know, blah, blah, all that stuff. But I, I think that I think that this is a way for them to be multiple. They like to get into different 
fronts. And, I mean, I was pretty surprised when he said 50-50, and he's said that now multiple times. He's serious about getting into the 4-3 the as much as the 3-4. Interesting. And the Wisconsin 3-4 yeah, is know. just – it's different. You know, they – I don't think they do the two-gap stuff at Wisconsin. I'm probably speaking a little bit out of turn there because I, I can't say that with all certainty. But Wisconsin, you see a lot Come on, of – Come hockey, do your research. Well, with Wisconsin, you see a lot of the that, that pro-style – uh, six guys standing up. They might have a nose tackle with the hand in the ground, but I mean, they might they might have one guy down, yeah. and there's six or seven guys that are floating around. You don't know who's coming from where. I don't think we're going to see that or much of that in our three That's four. I mean, what I hmm. I mean, what I heard today from some of the offense was saying that that they saw so many different looks from this defense. You never knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I don't know. I guess that that's something to look for on, on Saturday that's night. That's what Al Groh, he was interviewed by one of the papers this week, and Al Groh, who has been a mentor of Diaco, he was just talking about in general the, the, the beauty of the 3-4 defense is that you assu- you know that four people are going to come you know in a normal rush. That's just no matter – I don't care if you're in a 3-4, 4-3, 5-2, whatever. Four guys are going to come, right? And in a 4-3, you know right. who those four are. In a 3-4, that fourth guy can come from any direction and, and – I, I have no doubt that Diaco can be a master of bringing guys from different places and making the offense not know where that's coming from. Whether that is guys standing up the way that Wisconsin does, I'm just saying the look might look a little different, but the, the result could be the same. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, cool. All right, guys, anything else you want to talk about defensively? Anything else you're looking for this week? Well, it's not entirely related to defense, but I think it's kind of important to see how special teams actually plays this year. Yeah, uh, when we look, I really agree with yeah. that. Yeah, when we look at yeah. last season, just our punting stats were, I mean, they were terrible, let's be honest. Oh it was a God. tough situation to be in, we know that. And I think it's safe to say our uh, special teams coordinator didn't do us any favors with his uh, rigid Bruce scheduling Reeves. and uh, practice. So I believe we were somewhere in the 90s as far as punting goes, if not even worse, as far as net punting, and somewhere in the 70s in net returns. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can even improve that a few yards a game, I mean, you're looking at such a vast improvement. I, I th- And, and yeah, it takes a huge goes. load off our defense, set things up a lot easier for them. I think those two mm-hmm. sides of the, of the, yeah. the punt game, one of them is a very individual thing, the punter. He just has to do better. I mean, and I think in a – obviously he was brought in last year in difficult circumstances and, and all that. But I think with another year under his belt, we can assume that he's going to be better. What, what that looks like, we'll find out. The punt return game, I'm really interested to see if we just mix it up a little bit schematically. I haven't seen a two-return two sure. set since basically back in the day of, you know – Oh, gross and craver. We used to have different times where we'd have two guys back there. How many times in the last few years, and, and Riley's mentioned how now kickers are doing the rugby-style kicks and all that, how many times have we had one returner and somebody kicks it and it goes over his head or it starts rolling and we never pick it up and the thing rolls for 30 yards, put two guys back there. If you've got Lynn, if, if Tyjon's that good and, and if you've got personnel there, Put them both back there, and at the very least, what's the worst thing they're going to do? Catch it and call fair catch and not give up 20 yards of rolling. Yeah, they suddenly can't kick away from us. E- exactly. So, I mean, let's – you know, that's just schematically. I'm curious to see if they change up. I'm curious to see if on the uh, on the punting side, are we still going to have big offensive linemen sitting, you know, five yards in the backfield? You know, the, the, they're the, the, oh, the protectors, God, yeah. which that – I've never been a big fan of that, and then it totally takes away any, any uh, 
opportunity to fake anything. Yeah. I didn't we try a fake like a year or two ago and some three hundred pound guy was running with it. It was a disaster. That was a disaster. I mean, yeah, hopefully everything that Bruce Reed did is gone and we have completely different looking special teams. Didn't Caleb Lightborn fake it last year? Didn't he just take off and run with it at one point? Just yeah, it was a disaster. Forgot to punt it. I don't know what happened. It was so bad. You had one job, Caleb. <laughs> yeah. I mean Diaco's working directly with Lightborn, so that that's gotta get better. Uh, hopefully the whole blocking scheme is different. It sounds like Scott Booker, Booker's obviously taken a lot with the special teams uh, and brought a lot of energy mm-hmm. to that. So, yeah, that's a good point, Boomer. Thanks for bringing that up. Quick question, um, just out of curiosity. At what position group or what part of this team do you honestly think, if you look at it, do you expect to be worse than last year? Like, is there a, is there a group that you're like, man – we're just no way we're going to be better than this last year. I think that's that's the question mm. of the of the year right there, Mac. Because for anyone that says five and seven and six and six, all you can do is say, "Well, we went nine and four a year ago, and where are we going to be worse?" I'll give an answer to your question, and it's a lousy answer. I'll say that our QB run game, our QB, you know, ability to get out of some sacks with his feet, that that part of the game is going to be worse. But that's that's by intention. Sure. That's you know. We, we're expecting Tanner Lee not to be using his feet the way that Armstrong did. We expect him to be able to get away from the rush by releasing the ball faster. You know, all those things. Right. You know, that's sure. what's going to counter that. But outside of that, there's not a single part of this team. Think of, think of the lines. What about wide receiver? I mean, I, there, you, I mean, Wester, Wester Camp would be nice to have back, and, and um, Seath and Carter would be nice to have back. I mean, and certainly Nate. Or not Nate Swift. <laughs> It'd be nice to have Nate Swift. Uh, Brandon Riley, 87s, man. They always get me. <laughs> well, Mac, that's your point in the sense that, I mean, a lot of these 5-7 and seven predictions are coming from the fact that, what, 90-some percent of our production offensively is gone, right? And we, yeah. we don't have a, a tight end that's caught the ball. We have barely any wide receivers that have caught the ball. Um, our running backs, you know, I mean, yeah. I, it, I, I absolutely hear you what you're saying, Honk, but it's the production that was on the field last year that's missing, I guess. And I, it's hard for me to actually see where they don't see where there's some improvements there. Um, it, just from a, from the wide receiver standpoint, being healthy mm-hmm. enough with our starting three, if we could just keep the, the top three or four guys on the field, that will be better than what we had for most of last well, that's, year. Well, that's so. part of it, too. I mean, you, you look at last year's team and, and you know – I, I don't want to beat up on guys that aren't playing for us anymore, but that receiving core for it, it was full of promise every year. And with the exception of Wester camp really, you know, made a lot of catches over the course of his career, but guys like Riley and Moore, they have a ton of potential, but they were hurt the whole time. So they barely played. Well, they got Carter, hurt a lot. You know, Carter was always filled with, with, with hope and, and in some cases hype. And there were some, places where you can look at it and say the quarterback didn't get him the ball but then you can go back to that Oregon game a year ago where where it was a third down and and Armstrong yep, got him right. the ball right where he needed to and he dropped it didn't make the big play when we needed to and then Armstrong came back the next I think you know next play and completed it to Westercamp next play you know and Westercamp was the, yeah. the go-to guy before he got hurt you know that seemed to be the way it always went it was it was like if Armstrong was on that day our receivers would kind of let us down and vice versa, man. It was just, it was, seemed like we could just never get on the same mm-hmm. page. If that would just go away this year, again, in my head it already has. You know, I'm on game <laughs> week, boys. This is like this I is like looking it. real pretty inside my head. But well, and <laughs> you think about a quarterback making it easy 
to catch a ball. You know, Tommy was okay about getting it within a catch radius, but to actually get the ball into a spot where the wide receiver can turn and run with it immediately or be, you know, sure. don't have to kill any momentum, that those yards will add up so quickly by the end of the game. You know, what's a seven-yard out turns into a 12-yard because he, cause he had momentum, mm-hmm. you know, or it's not thrown behind him, so... He didn't have to stop, and it didn't get tipped, and it didn't get picked. You know, there, there's a whole bunch of things that just accuracy and timing will take care of in this offense. I'm excited to see how that looks. Sorry for the no, sidebar. I, I, just, I think that's I a good. I think that. that's a good point. Yeah, good I think stuff. with our running backs, we lose Newby, and I think Newby was a well-developed back. Let's give Reggie Davis some credit. I think I he, like Newby. He, he I do developed like Newby nicely over two years, better than I think maybe he was getting developed prior. And I think we have. I have no excuses for our running back situation right now. We've got plenty of guys there. We can, you know, I don't want any injuries, but it's actually a position you could afford to have somebody have to miss if they had to. But obviously, we don't want any of that. What I would, what I would say, most people look at in a team. It's the old-fashioned saying of you know, it's like it's in the trenches. What what's going on in the trenches? Well, what Nebraska has going on in the trenches right now is five offensive linemen that have you know at least four returning starts coming back. That typically. We're going to talk about a team that we're playing on Saturday that doesn't have that. And that's a pretty important thing, and we have it. We feel like we have some some pretty good depth built on the O-line. On the D-line, we feel like we have some pretty good depth because the year prior, everybody left. And last year, we got all this this experience all of a sudden on the D-line. So in the trenches, yeah, it's true. That, those are the points where, you know, to your point, Mac, like where where are we – where are we not better at? I, it's really hard for me to find a spot where I can sit there and say we're not better almost across the board right now. I'm not sure that we're not better at safety, and we lost Nate Jerry or Gary. I, I'm, I'm not positive that, that we aren't better there. I yeah, agree. No. I guess we're going to find out, aren't we? That's I guess cornerback. That, now that I think about it, Chris Jones being going down, that's one position that – you can't say that didn't hurt, but we still have athletes yeah. there. Yeah, and we still have you Jones. Know? He still so could come back true. and and still play, and we'll we'll find that out. And we, and it's so funny, you know, no excuses. We're going to replace those corners with four star Lamar Jackson and four star Eric Lee. You know, that's I, there's worse situations you can be in. Sure, sure. All right, guys, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, we'll take a break, but we'll be coming back with. Scarlet colored glasses. We'll do some opponent breakdown of Arkansas State and then some final Husker predictions. You're listening to the Go Big Redcast. And now, Scarlet colored glasses. All right, next on the Go Big Redcast is Scarlet colored glasses. This is all things Husker program, and we're going to be breaking down Arkansas State. Uh, this is our first uh, um, opponent breakdown of the year, the Red Wolves uh, out of Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um, they are uh, Sunbelt foes. We've had some Sunbelt teams uh, in the past come up to Lincoln. Arkansas State's been here, I think, twice. Uh, Honky, what have, you been, uh, what have you been reading about the Red Wolves? Yeah, the Red Wolves, they've uh, won some conference titles in recent years, and as to your point there, Dave, we, uh, Nebraska's two. They're a cradle of coaches, aren't yeah. they? Right? Yeah, well, uh, uh, Hugh Freeze, Malzahn. Gus Malzahn. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's yep. 2 and 0 all time against them. Uh, in 09, we beat them 38 to, to 9, and then in 2012, beat them 42 to 13. And if you guys recall, 
that was the game that Pelini left at halftime, I believe, with uh, Angina. And uh, that's the same uh, same ailment that forced Coach Ed Gennaro in necessary roughness to sit out most of the game against the number one Texas Colts. Thankfully, defensive coordinator Wally wow, Rigg was able to step in and lead the Armadillos to an upset win. But uh, I digress. That's inspiring. Yes. Uh, I think that's been captured in a movie of some sort, wasn't it? I, I remember that. No. But la- Longest Yard or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was yes. it, yeah. But last year... They had a female Song, kicker on that team, didn't yes, they? they had Kathy Ireland yeah. kicking for him. That was... Oh, yeah, yes. right. Uh, and Scott Bakula, I think, was the quarterback. He was Why didn't like, that movie do better? I can't believe it didn't get it a fresh was... rating from Rotten Tomatoes. It seems weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, continue yeah. your breakdown there. Uh, last year, they started 0-4 but ended the season 8-5, and so they turned it around. They won their bowl game against Scott Frost and, and Central Florida 31-13 to in the Cure Bowl. And that's, yeah, not the band. That's right. Cure, they look pretty good doing it, yeah. Uh, but Robert Smith is the halftime show. <laughs> I would go awesome. to a bowl sponsored by The Cure. Yeah. That would be outstanding. Everything really dark and gloomy yeah. and very you know, bands should. Free eyeshadow and everything. That would be great if, if <laughs> I mean, some of these bowl names are so stupid anymore. It would be great if a couple, like the Pearl Jam Bowl or the Nirvana Bowl or something. That would be nice. But If it was a cured ham, I would go. Ooh. I love cured ham. <laughs> Anywho, back to this season. In 2017, they are very uh, confident. Uh, Arkansas State coach Blake Anderson, even last month, told the World Herald that NU is beatable in an interview. So uh, what does that Arkansas State team have coming into the season? Well, they have a quarterback. Wait a second, Hawk. Wait a second. Hold on. Wait a second. So Blake Anderson says that Mm -hmm. we're beatable, yet uh, under the guidance of such Blake Anderson, the uh, the Red Wolves have – probably thought that Tennessee was beatable in 2014 when they lost 34-19, or Miami of Florida was beatable when they lost 41-20, or maybe USC was beatable when they lost to the Trojans 55-6 to to kick off the 2015 season, um, or even last year. Well, I'm sure they probably thought Auburn was Dave, beatable. They lost ain't your concern, baby. Like I don't think that word means what he thinks it means. On his predictions of his non-conference foes being beatable. That's the past, Inconceivable? baby. This is 2017. Please. Yeah. <laughs> the Red Continue. I'm sorry. I just had to... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> he hasn't even come close to beating any of these teams. Uh, I mean, yeah. closest thing he came was beat, oh, losing to Missouri by a touchdown. Well, in 2017, they, they, they have their fourth-year like junior year, uh, quarterback, Justice Hansen. He's 6'4", 207. He's a former four-star recruit, played at Oklahoma for – or redshirted at Oklahoma, and then was behind Trevor Knight and Baker Mayfield on their post-2015 depth chart, uh, spring depth chart. Never played there, so he transfers to Butler Community College, then he transfers so Arkansas State. So he never State. played for Oklahoma, right away, correct? But a game or two into the season, he – well, probably after they started 0-4. Somewhere along the line, he became the starter. He ends up completing 58% of his passes, 2,700 yards, 19 touchdowns, 8 eight uh, INTs last year. So he's a bit of a pro-style QB. He also ran for 131 yards and a touchdown, so he has some mobility to go along with that. They they kind of have a, a, a team that's a little bit littered with, with some knockoff players from some D1 schools. So they have a 6'5", 212-pound wide receiver, Kendrick Edwards, who's a transfer from Arkansas. He got dismissed from Belima there, which I don't know what in the world you have to do to get dismissed from, from Arkansas. My goodness, their wow. offensive line, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier. It's they tough to have do. Nobody back. They are starting five fresh faces. Uh, so 
this is, kind of reminds me of like Revenge of the Nerds and they're playing poker and you know it's like here's five new cards wow. you know yeah here's five new offensive linemen starters for you uh, and welcome to Memorial Stadium for your first game they have one freshman two sophomores and two juniors on the O line uh, on the defensive side of things uh, their D line is going to be what they're most known for right now their DN Javon Rollin Jones 6'2", 244 he's an NFL prospect had 20 and a half tackles for a loss seven hurries last year. And on top of that, their defensive tackle, uh, D-liner, 6'3", 325, big dude. Eight and a half tackles for a loss last year. He was a former top 50 recruit and transferred from Alabama. So they'll have some individual talent, some individual you know players. But um, all in all, I mean, this is a team that, that should be overwhelmed by what Nebraska has here in, in week one. Yeah, these are great teams kind of to open up with because they, they can give you some good looks athletically at first you know, to kind of see your matchups and stuff. You can match speed. It's a little more game speed. But, but you're right, Matthew. By the by, the end of the game, our depth should completely overwhelm them to the point where even our first team versus the first team, we should be pretty pretty well off and doing what we want to do. But, but yeah, they'll, there, at least there'll be some talent on there to get a look. Yeah, I was outspoken about it a couple of our shows back where I, I've said it all along, there's no excuses that I have for this Nebraska team. And I'm not going to sit here and try to talk up Arkansas State and make this into something that, you know, this is a closer game than I think it should be. It shouldn't be. This should be a game, in my mind, very similar to what we did with, say, a Fresno to start off last year, too. And to Dave's point, for all the confidence that Arkansas State can come into Lincoln with, uh, they may have had that exact same confidence in all those other games you mentioned. So, But I, I have one other thing here. This is an interesting scheduling quirk or whatever. Arkansas yeah. State, most of those games they've played obviously have been away games against those Power 5 schools. But after they play us, they host Miami and not Ohio, Florida. They they host the Hurricanes in Jonesboro, Arkansas a couple weeks after they play us. Did somebody not read that contract right? It that feels is shocking. Like that was a mistake. I mean, I, I mean that's just... Yeah, they're like, oh no... They thought it was actually Arkansas they were playing. He had his thumb over the ST yeah, part I mean, did, in the contract. Did Miami give him like, like a oh, four for one or something, right? Well, like, I, course, used to like, be the AD at Miami. Maybe that was like his last move he did before he left. Just embarrassed him. That's true. Wow, well, that's that's interesting. All right, well, um, what else should we know about uh, Arkansas State, guys? Boomer, well, I thought Mac, he summed it up pretty nicely, this, actually. Uh, first opponent. Good job, Hoggy. He did, Thank didn't you. he? I was impressed. I was well, you well done. them wolves. Uh, <laughs> Well-researched and thoughtful. I learned a lot. <laughs> I'm so much more prepared for that game now. Uh, all right, man. Well, um, you know, before we go on to uh, Husker predictions uh, in part two of Scarlet Colored Glasses, Boomer, do we got a uh, trivia poll for the week? Trivia time. Of course we do. All right. Looking forward to the season here. Um, if Nebraska is, of course, starting the season unranked, unfortunately, in the uh, AP or coaches poll. So for trivia this week, uh, looking back in Husker history, what is the best finish a Nebraska team has ever had after starting the season unranked in the AP poll? That's a good question, Mike. A good question. Really good question. I'm, well, it would require a season. imagine some of our early. Yeah, it would require a year where we didn't start. Yeah, we require a year where we didn't start, obviously, in the AP poll. And 
for 90% of the Devaney and Osborne years, that wouldn't be the case. So what I would – there are two seasons that – and it also can't be one of the years before, like, 36, because I think that's when the AP poll first started. So you can eliminate all those uh, Ewald Jumbo yeah, Stein years. the AP poll years, sometimes think, only, like, you know, 10. That Boomer loves. Hey, Honk. Um, honk? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the AP poll is only like top ten, though, right? So I mean, we could have been a, a top, you know, predicting to have a pretty good year, but uh, they only had a top ten preseason, mm-hmm. you know. So I'd just be throw a little caution to that. That's Make sure we think about that. That's a good point. Even some of Devaney's early years, like the early '60s, might only have been a, a top ten poll. So that's a good point. I, I mean, the the two years that immediately jumped off the. The page to me. I was thinking it was 62, which was his first season, Devaney's, because obviously we wouldn't have been preseason ranked, and then we end up beating Miami in the Gotham Bowl, and that year, what, 9-2 and two or 9-3, probably 9-2, 9-3, something like that. Uh, so that year could have been one. I'm also thinking 1969, giggity, uh, which is right after the two six and four years we had. We wouldn't have started uh, We wouldn't have started uh, right. ranked, and then we end up beating Georgia in the Sun Bowl, and had I mean finished that season pretty well. So both of those teams, sixty two and sixty nine, are kind of the ones that come to mind. But that's a good Anything point, David. More about recent the, under, the top ten. under Bo. No, and Bo is generally preseason ranked. But I don't think that we would have finished higher ranked under Bo than we would have in either sixty. Two or sixty. I mean, in sixty nine, I think we would have finished. I'm guessing we would have finished top ten. And Bo obviously never finished top ten. So, if I, I'm going to just say sixty nine is my my guess, but it's a guess. Mac, you, you like to uh, second that or go your own? Well, wasn't the question how high did we end up ranked, not the well, year? Either one. However, you'd like to approach it. Um, well, let's get. I'll say eleven. And I don't have a year, but I'll go with Honky sixty nine. Like Eleven it. and a sixty nine. Like I'll go with uh, I'll go with sixty two to be in, in different and say that we uh, finished uh, ninth. All right. Well, that was actually uh, pretty impressive. You guys came very close on that. Uh, the correct answer uh, technically is the nineteen sixty three season. Uh, we did finish. Ah. We finished fifth that year in the final AP poll. That was one of those odd years where they did only have 10 teams that they ranked, Aha. so it can be kind of difficult to see if there was any preseason ranking where we would have fallen in that. Uh, the 69 season, you are so correct, we did dead finish on 11th, right. 69 was and, 11. The, uh, okay. and the top 20 they were doing at that point in time, so that is another good uh, good answer. Yep, We did have a couple of other good seasons back in 36, 1940, where we finished 9th and 8th in the poll. They didn't do preseason polls back then. That didn't start until 1950, but uh, they didn't start the first poll that year until usually the second or third week in October, but we weren't ranked in either of those when they first came out, so they did well. And then both uh, Frankie and Bill did have a season where we started unranked and did finish in the top 25, so you are correct. It never happened under Osborne or uh, under Bo. Interesting. But very good answers. Frank did well. Hmm. Well, you learn something every day. But the correct answer would have been uh, the 1963 team, which finished fifth. Is that correct? Correct. Fifth in the AP poll. Devaney's first. So the the most we can hope for is Devaney's first conference. Oh, we could do better than that. Historically. Devaney's first conference champion. Yeah. uh, Nebraska beat Oklahoma. Bud Wilkinson's Oklahoma the day. After JFK is shot, it's one of the only games played that weekend. 
and uh, Nebraska took a little bit and Oklahoma took a little bit of heat, but I guess Bud Wilkinson was on some presidential council of, you know, athletics or something. So he knew JFK and, and he kind of said, well, I think JFK would want the game to be played. So Nebraska, Oklahoma was one of the only games played that, that weekend. And that was Devaney's, uh, first and last win against, uh, Wilkinson. I think he retired after that season and, and that was Nebraska's first big eight championship under Devaney. It's cool. Good story. Yeah. Way to double down on trivia. Bam. Very nice. All right. Well, we're talking win-loss records, and can the Huskers actually finish uh, in the polls? Uh, they're starting out of the polls. So let's uh, let's dive into it. Um, really quick here, guys. Uh, last week we were breaking down the Big Big Ten Conference. Now let's just focus on Nebraska Nebraska's position in that. Um so what do you what do you got there, Boomer? What's your final prediction for a win loss for Nebraska? Well, I'm That's sticking with what I'd done last week, and I, I do unfortunately see Wisconsin winning the West again. Um, I, I kind of went through, looked at each game, kind of analyzed what I think we're going to do. What I ended up with was an eight and four record to end the season. I think there's going to be some wins that the national pundits don't see us winning. I think we're going to win. I think we'll beat Oregon. I don't quite understand the the love that Oregon has. For any complaints we have about things like, you know, new coaches and new staffs and new everything, they have that in spades. I mean, starting brand new everything. Yeah, it's true. I think we're going to beat Iowa this year. I just have a feeling about it. So I think that'll we'll end due. the season on a success there. Yeah, but I do have uh, four losses in there, uh, three that we'd probably expect. I, I You know, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State. And I think there's got to be one more in there somewhere. Uh Penciled in Northwestern right now, just kind of a placeholder. There'll be that one loss we don't quite expect. But all right, eight and four, yeah. relatively um, uh, not that rosy. Uh, Mac, what do you got? Um, I'm waffling a little bit. I want to, I want to aim high, but I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it real. But I don't see. I don't think we lose a game till we get to Wisconsin, and then I don't think we lose that game. Ohio State will be a challenge. Probably lose that game. So we'll give him that one. That's I guess it's a six and one. If Penn State, a loss, and that's really the only other one I'm gonna concede. I won't concede Iowa. I won't concede Northwestern. I don't live my life that way, folks. I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> be a Husker fan any other way. I don't even. You could convince me. We could win every game, but that's just me. This is this is this is uh, like I said. This is week one. We're I'm fired right. up, but uh, just to be reasonable, Ohio State and Penn State. I'll give those Fair losses. Fair enough, Honky. What what do you got? Well, I think it's funny. A week ago, we we gave Mike the MVP for being the guy that was you know going out of the box with some of his picks, and then he picks Nebraska to go eight and four, which is what we've done eight of the last nine years, basically. So it's you know same old same old. My prediction, I call him like I see him. <laughs> my prediction, and you guys will never let me get away with it. My prediction is we're going to go eight and one. I mean, I think our start, and and that's my lock. I'm going to lock in that we are eight and one after nine games. Uh, if you break this season into one. segments, All right. that's it's a lock. lock. I, I my lock is we're going to beat Oregon early, and we're going to be five and zero, oh, and we're going to play Wisconsin. We're going to play a team that we under. Uh, Riley and and something that gives me a lot of hope, not hype, hope is that we played a very physical Wisconsin team very well under Riley. 
lost with a last-second field goal, lost in overtime. We're going to get over the hump, and we're going to beat Wisconsin. If we beat Wisconsin, we beat Oregon. We are 6-0, and and we have game day in Lincoln hosting Ohio State. I'll give us a loss to Ohio State, albeit a much better loss than the one Dave and I went to in Columbus a year ago. And that's not hard to, to do, obviously. But I I'll call so. it a fourth-quarter game, and we'll, we'll lose to Ohio State. I think after that, it's like Rutgers or Illinois or Purdue or somebody. I, I can't remember the exact team right after Ohio State. Purdue. Purdue. And then and then it's uh, uh, Northwestern. And this is that no-excuse thing. We just have to get over whatever the heck our problem with Northwestern at home is. Because we haven't had that big problem with them on the road. We've, we've played, especially the last two times out in Evanston, we've played them really well. Like, beat them pretty soundly. So, I, you know, we're 8-1 and one after nine games. The question becomes November. And, and it's not the opponents. I don't look at any one of the three and go, oh, my gosh, it's Minnesota, it's Penn State, it's Iowa. We can't physically, talent-wise, compete with them. It is where I almost want to reassess is after we're 8-1, and one, and we can be a very good 8-1, and one. we could be ranked high, I want to look at those, those nine games and go, can we run the ball? Are we physical? Because in November, we're going to be playing at Minnesota, at Penn State, Iowa the, in Lincoln the day after Thanksgiving. Those are going to be games that we have got to be able – to run the football, got to be physical and all that. Now, the reality is if we're sitting at 8-1 and one at that point, I'm probably feeling pretty darn confident about November. So because you're not going to let me get away with just doing nine games, I'm going to say that we're going to beat Minnesota on the road. We'll beat Iowa at home. I'll give Penn State a loss. We finish 10-2. and two. We win the West. We're playing Ohio State for the, uh, for the, the conference title. We've already got the graphic out there on Twitter, so it's official. Uh, we think that Ohio State's going to win, so that puts us at 10-3 and three at the end of the season. We go to a bowl game. I'm going to give us the win in the bowl game. We go 11-3. and three. Finally break out of the four-loss cycle. I like it. I like it. That's right. Well, That's right. And, and we have a lot of hope, a lot of hope coming back for 2018 with, with Riley and, and staff. We're in the right direction. Sure, sure, I hear you. All right, good stuff. Um, I took the little opposite approach to the season, Honk. I, I think that we might start a little bit slower than expected. So what, one and eight? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. I'm going one and eight, guys. I will not Mark be podcasting down. if we get to one and eight. This show will be canceled as far as this I'm concerned. This show is over in the week red five. Cast, the Redcast is turned red cast, Talking to you about bowling. Eight, it will be... <laughs> We'll just do the sound of wind blowing. That's what the podcast will be. No one will be listening anyway. We always have Nebraska. Oh, so. That's right. No, I was thinking, I'm just saying that I think we might start a little slower. I am a little worried about uh, Oregon. I hope I'm proven wrong, but they should have beat us last last year, to be honest with you. Um, and we're out there. And I agree. They're, I don't think they're you know, anything to be feared, but Royce Freeman was running – all over us uh, last year until they got injured, and if they would have just simply made a couple extra points, they they clearly would have won that game even without him. So uh, let's not uh, think we were that that great uh, against Oregon even last year in that victory. Uh, so we might start slow. I have a hunch we uh, win, beat Wisconsin, lose to Ohio State, come back, and uh, for some reason I got a hunch we'll lose somewhere in that that mix with against some team we shouldn't lose to. Uh, but maybe we beat Penn State at the end of the year and we have that momentum going into the bowl game. Um, we'll see. We'll see. So what's your record? Um, all right. Good stuff. Guys. What's your record though, Dave? Uh, nine and three, nine and three, uh, win the West with that because with beating Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin will lose one somewhere else. So we'll go, uh, seven and 
Yeah, seven and two in conference, which would be the same as Wisconsin, but we have the. So you basically, my, basically, you my, have the same team. record I do, with the exception of you have us losing to Oregon. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you did you say ten I and two or nine and three? You said nine and three. I have us losing to Ohio State and Penn State, yeah. and you have us losing those two and. And in, in terms of Wisconsin, for people that are wondering where would Wisconsin get that second loss, they do have Michigan come to Camp Randall later in the season, and you know, and then they they play Iowa and you know Minnesota. They, there's a there's a loss potentially out Minnesota, there. Yeah, it's it, it's out there. Dave, you're not yeah. as high on Wisconsin yeah. as 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 like Mac and I were a, a week ago. So I mean, you, yeah, yeah, they lost another linebacker here recently too. So yeah. I mean, I, I think we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, sounds like that's a, it's a pretty good breakdown of uh, the, uh, Nebraska for now. Let's uh, move into uh, our prediction section. This is the first time we've done this uh, on the podcast, but something we've been doing for years. Um, and we have uh, the games of the week, essentially. So um, we typically do 10 games, including Nebraska. Um and we've got 10 picked out. Uh, I'll start um, with uh, these, and why don't we just do this as rapid fire as we can. Whenever you find a game that you are extremely high on, you let me know that that's your lock of the week, and we'll go from there. Let's start with um, Maryland versus Texas. Terps Longhorns. Honky, what do you got? I have Texas. Texas. Boomer. Texas. Mac. Texas. I'll join you and make that 4-0 for Texas. Let's do uh, Colorado State, Colorado. Honky. I have Colorado. Mac. I'm going Colorado State. They had a strong start to the season. Nice. Boomer. Colorado. I'm going with the Rams. I think they can do it again. Yep. I like both of these teams overall, but I was very impressed with the Rams. Watched a big portion of that game. Um, all right. How about uh, West Virginia, Virginia Tech? Let's reverse this. Uh, Boomer, what do you got? Well, that's uh, two teams I don't know a heck of a lot about. Um, we're just going to go with Virginia Tech. All right. Mac? West Virginia, Mountain Mama. <laughs> And hockey. I have Virginia Tech. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go West Virginia on that one. No, no. I'm gonna go Virginia Tech. I'm gonna go Va Tech. That's a tough one. I mostly just wanted to say West Virginia Mountain Mama, but I think Virginia Tech is a pretty good pick too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about uh BYU versus LSU? This is a game that looks like it's getting moved to uh, Dallas, no, uh, New Orleans, Super New Dome. Orleans. That's right. It's a, it's a now in, in it's Louisiana, closer to LSU right? now. Correct. Neutral, Bengals, neutral site so. game. Neutral yeah. site right. game. Boomer, uh, who do you got? Uh, this is LSU, and this is going to be my lock of the week here. Basically, getting a home game. Really, yeah. Mac? I'm actually going BYU. Woo! Uh, I, yeah, I think they're a sneaky team. I like it. All right, Honk. I have LSU. Yep, that makes sense. All right, so uh, Mac went off on a limb there. I like that. I'm taking LSU. Um, don't don't see that happening. Um, all right, you got to uh, go first here, Dave. One this of these is times. one I've been looking forward to. Dave, you have to go first one of these times. Oh, well, no, I, 
Why don't I take, well, I usually go first in all of these. Um, let's uh, go with uh, Iowa versus Wyoming, two Nebraska border states. Uh, they should play this in Kearney or something. <laughs> Neutral site game. Um, Neutral site game. Cope Field. I Neutral site game in Kearney, Iowa versus yep. Wyoming. Uh, I, I will take, uh, this is in Iowa. Is that right, Hark? That That is correct. Um, just just to piss you off, I'm going to go with Iowa. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, Honk, what do you, who do you have then? Who do you have? Who this you is have? my lock of the week. I'm going with Wyoming. Nice. Boomer, do you know the spread on this by chance? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I can find it for you as we uh, chat here. But um, as I'm far intrigued. as the, the game itself... Oh, God, I hate to pick Iowa, but let's go with Iowa. Yeah, all right. Mac? Man, I actually hate this, but I feel like this is a prime upset for Wyoming to come in. I think Honky's right on this one, and it kills me. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to pick Wyoming on it. I didn't I, want anyone picking them with me. I want to be. Do we get, like, double points? Then do I'm, we get double uh, points for the lock? If you'd like the spread, I've got that What's for this? you here. Vegas is saying uh, Iowa by 11.5 with a 51.5 over-under. Wow. wow. A higher over-under than Nebraska? So expect a few points. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. Do we get double points for our lock of the week? We get points for this in no any way, shape, or form? Do our points convert into some sort of Dave and Buster's kind of <laughs> game card? 500 points get you a lobster harmonica, so yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, this is going nowhere Sorry. fast. Did everybody pick this game? Yes, yes, we did. Yeah, all right, we did. Good. Everyone's picked. Uh, and Dave, Dave, and Max still need to do a lock of the week at some point. All right, so. we're going into uh, Texas A and M UCLA. What do you got? Uh, let's go Mac first. What are UCLA A and M? This is another neutral site, right? This is at UCLA. Yeah, it's a it's a ro- actual true road. I'm going game UCLA. Yep. Oh, it's an actual road game. Like yeah, I'm going UCLA. Yeah. All right. Uh, Boomer? Yeah, an actual road game for an SEC team. They must have scheduled this back in the Big 12 <laughs> exactly. days, I guess. But uh, uh, it's early season. SEC always wins these, so we'll go A&M. Nice. Hockey? I've got A&M. I will go... Man, I do not like this at all. I don't like this game at all, guys. I'll go A&M. Mac is yeah. either going to be ahead by like six games on all of us or, <laughs> or he's going to be way behind. He's, yeah. he's picking a little, a little different every one. Yeah. All right. We got uh, another neutral site coming up here. We got Florida versus Michigan. Florida's got all those suspensions, but Michigan's young. Uh, and very yellow with their uniforms. Yes, they are breaking out the West Virginia Mountain motif. Um, In the honey mustard. Uniforms. That's right. Mac, since you're going opposite of everybody, who do you got this one? Um, I'm gonna keep it in conference. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Michigan. I don't yeah, I'll take Michigan on this one. This will be my lock of the week because otherwise wow. it's gonna be Nebraska, Arkansas State. Lock of the right. week. Uh, uh Boomer. Uh the all maze uniforms are gonna set them back about six points, but I still think uh, Michigan's gonna pull this one off. Yep. Uh honky? Got Florida winning this one here. Uh, the injuries do do bother me a bit, or the suspensions. I'm sorry, but Michigan's just so young. But we'll find out. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to take Michigan as well on this one. I'll, I'll go that way. Uh, all right. Uh, I think it was one of the last games played this week. Tennessee versus Georgia Tech. I'll take Tennessee as my lock of the week. Ooh. Who'd you take, Dave? Tennessee. Tennessee, and that's your lock. Okay. Yep. I'll take Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee's the easy pick here, I think. Georgia Tech's suspended their, or actually, what, released their running back, I guess, so to speak. I never heard why, but, uh, yeah, they're tough to replace if you're Georgia Tech this late in the season. So, Tennessee. Tennessee. (laughs) Honky? Boy, I don't, I'm taking way too many SEC ones here, but I'm sticking with, with Tennessee, too. All right, that's a that's a four zero there for. It was the actually balls. the Tennessee oh, three really. was the yeah. Johnny Cash band was Tennessee yeah. three, but that's okay. Nice, and then uh, game going off by the same time. Nebraska plays Arkansas State. Alabama versus Florida State. Uh, Honky, let's start with you. I have Florida State. Nice. Wow. All right. All right. Mac. I'm going Alabama. Emma. All right. Boomer. Uh, because the world is so dark, Alabama. <laughs> you can't be that optimistic. Yeah, I'm going to take Alabama too. Um, should be a should be a really good game though, no doubt. All right, well, um, let's uh, we're saving the Nebraska pick for later, but let's talk about this game a little bit, right, guys? Um, looks like we. I mean, we broke it down pretty well as as you'd expect, but. Um, I don't see this being that competitive of a game. I've already mocked uh, Arkansas State, so that's that's no secret. Anybody else thinking this is going to be a close one at halftime or, or even uh, further into the game? I mean, it's so hard to tell what this team is going to look like coming out of the gate, you know. So I mean, there's a bunch of newness on each side, but I, it shouldn't be close by halftime. No, it should be pretty well established if we're if we're being efficient with the ball and, and tackling and not allowing big plays on defense. This should not be any kind of competition by half. So I'd expect if we we're going to be any kind of team to compete, we should be kind of controlling the tempo throughout most of this game. That's fair. Boomer? I think that's probably a fair estimate. I mean, I don't know how if we're going to come out all guns blazing, but just trying to run some plays, establish a few things – you know, might not be as flashy as fans would hope, you know, coming right out of the gate. But, yeah, if we're not up a couple scores easily by halftime, then maybe there's cause for a little concern. But, yeah, in the long run, I don't see this being a super competitive ball game. Or at least I hope it isn't. Yep, that's the truth. I'm going to the game, so I don't actually want to see a competitive game either. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Um, I think that probably about does it. We got parting shots? Well, we got to do our prediction and score for the uh, for the Nebraska Oh, oh wait, Nebraska plays this week? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, well, Honk, yeah. why don't you do that? I'll start. I'll say Nebraska, 43-10, to 10, same score that we beat Fresno uh, last year to start the season. All right, Mac? I'm going to say they get nine points off of three field goals, and <laughs> Nebraska hangs 50 points. I'm so rose-colored right now, guys. Very nice. You can't stop me. 50. Fifty to nine. Fifty to nine. Boomer, that's two. That's two overs for. That's two overs from the uh, the over under. So, very nice. Boomer, uh, I think we take it somewhat subdued approach, especially in the second half. Uh, don't try to air it out too much at that point. So I think it'll be a thirty-eight to ten ball game. 
I believe. Nice. That's about what I was looking at. I was thinking about 38-13. So I'll, I'll take the Huskers with a 25-point victory. I expect some kind of special team or defensive touchdown contribution, but I agree with around 38 offensive points. Oh, I see. I see. Well, thanks, and you thanks for that. Very nice. That clarification. Yeah, I should have clarified that. <laughs> well, that's important. <laughs> that's right. All right, guys. All right. Anything else on that, Hawk? Did I miss anything? No, I think we got it all. Perfect. No drama. That's right. No drama here in the Redcast. All right. Let's move on to parting shots. Uh, Honky, what do you got? Well, I want to create some drama now. Uh, My parting shot is I want to call out fellow Redcaster Boomer for his continued use of a $4 North Korean microphone while the rest of us (laughs) Redcasters pony up for a real mic. (laughs) Oh, public shaming. That's, That's intense. All right, Boomer, a response? Well, uh, first off, I'd shot? like to note North Korea is happily lobbing missiles over Japan, so their technology is not as, as, as sad as you make it out to be. <laughs> and on a slightly more serious note, Sorry. I would like to just kind of remind our listeners, looking at the devastation in Houston this week, uh, just kind of consider, you know, we've got a great weekend ahead of ourselves, but uh, keep them in mind, and if you can't help out, please do. Nice. And Mac, what do you got? Um, I just wanted to take some time to thank the uh, CSU students. I took my kids down there to see the, uh, the kickoff this, uh, this week. You know, I just wanted to get a game day atmosphere. You know, it was football season. I was excited. And as we were walking down there, the CSU students were so nice to my kids and so including. It was a lot of fun. It was just a great atmosphere. So I really appreciated it. It was a great first game day experience for them. And then when, they, when we go to Lincoln, they'll see how – Nebraska completely blows the doors off of what CSU does, comparatively speaking. <laughs> it's adorable, though. I mean, what they are doing. <laughs> that's, it's that's it's nice. cute. They built a stadium. It's cute. Right. It's nice. All right. Well, uh, I, I spent the uh, the weekend up in Big Ten land in Minnesota uh, playing golf and going to wedding of my favorite Iowa fan, Stevie Cummings, uh, who is now Stevie Anderson. So just a shout-out to Luke and Stevie, who got married and uh, hosted a hell of a wedding in the middle of very rainy Minnesota. So, uh, all right, guys, let's uh, wrap this up. Great first uh, week for the Redcast. Looking forward to the football games. Talk to you soon. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. GBR. It's game week, baby. Go Buggy, Thank you.